Pastor Xavier Reese offers this thought on priorities. The entire land was filled with the base idolatry, and today it still goes on. Not always in the form of a statue, though that still is prevalent, but it can be the car that's taking up two stalls in the parking lot because you don't want a ding. It can be your bank account. It can be anything. Idolatry is the attitude of the heart. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also, Jesus said. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. There's an Old Testament sentiment that says, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Well, the same adage can be said of the leaders of the church and the congregation. Today, as we venture back into our study series in the Old Testament book of Joshua, Pastor Xavier brings us a stern admonishment regarding our devotion, especially that of the leaders of the local church. Let's listen. Joshua 23, verse 1 through 16. And the message is entitled, A Stern and Solemn Warning to Leaders. What we have in these last two chapters in the book of Joshua is the farewell speech of Joshua to the nation of Israel. In chapter 23 is Joshua's personal testimony to the leaders regarding God's faithfulness as well as his own with instruction and warnings about apostasy. He knew his life was nearly over. He knew his ministry charge was almost at a close. They had seen how the Lord, their God, had fought for them. In fact, the theme of the book of Joshua, you know, is rest. Though now the land is conquered, there are still battles. The war is over, but there's still battles. The war is over. Jesus Christ destroys Satan at the cross. But there's still battles, right? We still have to deal with the flesh. We have to deal with issues, right? But the war is over. Victory is conquered. The exhortation for ongoing blessing is by way of warning. Notice that. Verse 6, the reasonable request. Listen to it. It involves the right attitude. Therefore, be very courageous. That's how he began his commission in chapter 1, verse 7. He's giving the same advice for those who are going to take over. To keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses. The law was always accepted as inspired by God. This is a standard for the people of God. Now look, the reasons for the request are several. From verse 6, the rest of it there, to verse 7. First, to maintain stability. Lest you turn aside from it to the right or to the left. Stability. What's going to give you stability in life is the Word of God. So that everything comes in to your ears, to your eyes, to the enticement. You're going to judge through the Word. You're going to say, nope, yep, nope, yeah. You're going to be able to judge it. Stability. You're not moved. Secondly, to not mingle with the unbelievers in tempting themselves. Lest you go among these nations, these who remain among you. They had compromise. We already have seen this. It'll be further noticed in the book of Judges. They had left pockets of people in. Little compromises that the little foxes that spoil the vine, the scripture says. But thirdly, to not meddle to their own hurt. You shall not make mention 
of the name of their gods, nor cause anyone to swear by them. You shall not serve them nor bow down to them. Over and over again, the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20, verse 3 through 5 is given. All through Deuteronomy, uh, the apostasy and for false prophets in Deuteronomy 13, and I mean so many things. Uh, idolatry is of the heart. And we may not be pagan and bow to this image, though today's people still do, but we bow to a car, we bow to a house, we bow to a, to a profession, we bow to an income, whatever it may be. And so the right thing to do is in verse 8. But you shall hold fast to the Lord your God as you have done to this day. This is what God told Joshua at his commission in chapter 1, verse 7 through 9 and 18. Be strong, be courageous, be very courageous. Why? It implies difficult times ahead. It, 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 it implies that there are going to be difficult decisions to make, definite decisions to make. And if you don't judge those decisions by the word of God, then you're going to be led by your emotions, by your feelings, by your own desires. And they may be one degree off. And you say, ah, it's only a little bit. Well, if you take a plane and you take off and you're only one degree at the end of the runway, it doesn't seem that bad then. But if you're going to Hawaii, you're never going to hit Hawaii. Because the further you travel, the further out that degree gets. And that's the problem. The way to please God is to know his will. And his will, you know, is revealed in his word. It's not a secret. It's nothing mysterious. Leaders have the greater responsibility and accountability. I can't say it enough. To those that much is given, much is required. Jesus in his ministry on earth demonstrated that over and over again. Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy 3, 14 and 15, but you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them and that from a childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Paul is leaving Timothy in Ephesus as the leader as the one in charge. He must continue. 1 Timothy 4.16, take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them. For in doing this, you will save both yourselves and those who hear you. People are not stupid. When leaders proclaim, when people, leaders teach and leaders are up front, and if you're a leader, you're up front. And everybody gets a shot at you every Sunday morning. And people are looking to see if you're one with your message. People are looking to see if you really live out what you preach and teach. See if you contradict your message. You tell people how great God is and how rich he is, how he can provide everything. And then you're pressuring the people to give money. You're manipulating. It's a contradiction. The leaders have to live out. What they teach. Otherwise, they're a confusion to their message. Then I have no authority to tell you what the Bible says. Am I perfect? Nope. Follow me around. But I attempt to live to the standards of the Scripture. The way the believer stays in the flow of God's blessing is to avoid the pitfalls of the flesh. 1 John 2, 15 through 17. Listen to it. Do not love the world or the things that are in the world. If any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father but of the world. And the world is passing away and the lust of it. 
but he who does the will of God abides forever. Listen, the lust of the flesh is from within. That's your sin nature. It's funky. It is bad news. You're never going to get rid of it. You're going to have sin nature to the day you die. So you've got to deal with it. You've got to reckon the dead. You've got to walk in the spirit. You've got to obey the word of God. You've got to look to God. The lust of the flesh is from within. O wretched men that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? Praise be to the Lord Jesus Christ. Life in the spirit. The lust of the eyes from without. Be careful what you see, what you hear, what you touch. The world wraps everything. Very attractive. It sucks you in. You know what's going to take you away from God. And there's all kinds of things out there. Things that are, that, that are, that are not wrong in and of themselves. But if you come out of a certain background, you don't want to go there, you understand? Lest you be entangled again and your latter end is worse than the first, as Peter says. After having escaped the corruption of the world. So we want to be wise. The pride of life is a spirit of vanity, boasting. We start thinking that because of where we went to school, that makes us. Where we live, the type of clothes we wear, the type of car we drive, the type of people we hang out. Vanity of life. It all adds up to one big zero. If you look at the advertisement, man, if you just drink enough beer, you'd be a professional athlete. You'd be ripped. You buy the right jeans, lady, you will be a twiggy. You'll be a stone fox. Hmm. It works. They're not stupid. The way the believer receives all the benefits of God is by his promises. And some are very, very conditional. If we abide in Christ as the branch of the vine, then we will bring forth fruit, much fruit. If I don't abide, no fruit will come. In fact, the branch withers. It's conditional. If we look to our past, we will see all that God has done for us and through us. And that's very important because that gives me confidence in God. That reminds me, keeps me humble. Keeps me dependent upon him. That's one thing that ruins today's family. People do not have history in marriage. They stay married two, three, four, five years. They have no history. You haven't even got to know one another. You're on to the next one. There's no history, then there's no commitment. If we will obey him and depend upon him, we will be able to say, I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me, Philippians 4.13. All things he has called me to do, all things he has enabled me to do, all things he has opened the doors for me to walk through. Not what I want to do. <laughs> and I can look back and say, Lord, you're too much. I would have never been able to do that if you had not asked me to do that or open the doors. It's good to look back. Take inventory once in a while. You know, when I drive my car... The majority of the time, I'm looking forward. But every once in a while, I look at my rearview mirror and my side mirrors. It keeps me safe. <laughs> you got to do the same in your spiritual life. 
And so this was the prompt exhortation to abide in the blessings. It was to the leaders. He deals with the leaders first. Not until 24 does he deal with the people. And then God deals with the people. Here Joshua is dealing with them. Notice lastly, the admonishment about future disobedience. Verse 12 and 13, you have the promise regarding their disobedience. The warning to not make marriages with the people of the land is in verse 12. It is denounced by two words, going back. That's always bad. As a Christian, you go forward. If you stand still, you're going back because people are passing you up. Going back. It begins real subtle, real innocent. And it progresses. It is described as to go into them and they to you. This is the only reference of intermarriages and the first warning and the only warning prohibited in the book of Joshua. It's all over the law, but this is the first one that comes is at the end because Joshua knew. You see, as long as you're busy, you're productive, and you're fighting the good warfare, you don't have to worry. It's when you get settled. It's when you get prosperous. It's when you're kicking back. It's when God has done everything that now you're in the greater danger. Your guard is let down. Verse 13, the consequences are not to be taken lightly. They were to know for certain that the Lord their God would no longer drive out these nations from before them. Moses has stated this same thing in the book of Exodus 23, 34, in the book of Numbers 33, 55, and many other places. That once they disobeyed, God would not do for them what he promised he would do. Listen to uh, Jeremiah 3, 8. Then I saw that for all the causes for which backsliding Israel had committed adultery, I had put her away and given her a certificate of divorce, yet her treacherous sister, Judah, did not fear, but went and played the harlot also. This is looking the future. Right here, he's telling it's going to happen. In fact, he'll get into direct prophecy in verses 14 through 16. But look into Jeremiah, that's way in the future. We know it happened. When they make the covenant in the next chapter, oh, no, 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 we're going to walk with the Lord really, really. We're going to walk with the Lord really honest. Notice, rather, there would be snares, traps to them, scourges to their sides, thorns to their eyes, verse 13 says. Why has the people slidden back Jerusalem in a perpetual backsliding? They hold fast to deceit. They refuse to return, Jeremiah 8, 5 says. Their ear becomes deaf. Their heart becomes hard. They would bring their own downfall until you perish from the good of the land which the Lord your God has given you. You have forsaken me, says the Lord. You have gone backwards. Therefore, I will stretch out my hand against you and destroy you. I am weary of relenting, Jeremiah 15, 6. Whenever God draws a line, God can't be faulted. He's the most patient individual you'll ever meet. <laughs> he will go to the ends of the earth to save a person. He will be patient beyond anything we can even imagine. And so he moves to the prophecy regarding their disobedience. The warning is there, now the prophecy in verse 14 through 16. Verse 14, 
The urgency is marked by the nearness of the death of Joshua. Behold, this day I am going the way of all the earth. In other words, he says, I'm going to die. <laughs> the accountability is by personal knowledge. Notice that. And you know in all your hearts and in all your souls that not one thing has failed of all the good things which the Lord your God spoke concerning you. All have come to pass for you. Not one word of them has failed. Wow. Anybody say, Joshua, you're a liar. Nobody said nothing. Everybody knew God had been faithful. The ultimate destruction would be their own doing then. Look at verse 15. Just as God kept his word to bless them, so the Lord would bring upon them all harmful things until he destroyed them from the good of the land the Lord had given them. It is ourselves that brings destruction. We move away from the blessing, from the one who blesses. But the problem is that too many people seek the blessing instead of the one who blesses. They think God's the candy man. We have to seek the one who blesses, not simply the blessing. That's the problem. The sin of idolatry would take them into captivity, verse 16 tells us. By transgressing the covenant of the Lord their God and going and serving other gods and bowing down to them, they bring upon themselves the anger of the Lord to burn against them, to perish quickly from the good of the land that he had given to them. The vanity of their minds all the idolatry that goes on. Today it still goes on. Not always in the form of a statue, though that still is prevalent, but it can be the car that's taking up two stalls in the parking lot because you don't want it dinged. It can be your bank account. Your idol can be sitting next to you. It can be anything. Idolatry is, a, is an attitude of the heart. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also, Jesus said. The entire land was filled with the base idolatry. And through all the excavations that they've done throughout Israel, from Megiddo on down, they find all these gods. The God El was the supreme deity described as bloody and cruel, as a tyrant of uncontrolled lust. Baal was the son of El and his successor. He dominated the Canaanites of the land considered the Lord of heaven, the God of rain and vegetation. So you had the bells of the mountains, of the valleys and different things, local gods. Anath was sister to Bel and one of these three goddesses who were patrons of sex and war, sacred prostitution, child slaughter. Ashtoreth, Ashtart, or Asherah were the consorts of Baals, the goddess of sex and war again, Moloch, Milcom, the Ammonites' gods of Orgy and Kamish, the national deity of the Moabites. It's interesting. We have the same religion in the United States today. Pornography. Big church. People are faithful to attend. It's a religion that was practiced by the Canaanites. It's a billion-dollar industry. Slaves. When Pompeii was destroyed by the eruption of Mount Vesuvius, there were many persons buried in the ruins um, who were afterwards found in very different positions. Uh, I've been there. I've seen some of those guys. There's a guy just stretched out with his, for his money, you know, and that's the way he froze. There were some found in deep vaults as if they had gone there for security. 
There were some found in lofty chambers, but where did they find a Roman sentinel? Listen. They found him standing in the city gate where he had been placed by the captain while his hands still grasping the weapon. There, while the earth shook beneath him, there, while the floods of ashes and cinders overwhelmed him, he had stood at the post, and there, after thousands of years, he was found. And so Christians should stand by their posts at which the captain of the host, Jesus Christ, has placed them unmoved. Hmm. The most dangerous and lasting disobedience is that of being unequally yoked in marriage. It plagues the church today. Samson is a constant reminder of this involvement. He just loved unbelieving women, pagan women. He was just drawn to them, Judges 14 through 16. He tells his parents, get her to meet a wife, I like her. Cost his life. Being unequally yoked is disobedience to God and it's a tempting of self, 2 Corinthians 6, 14 through 16. What communion, what concord has light with darkness? Christ with Belial. Well, I can't warn you enough, young ladies, if you're single. Don't go fishing in the world. You're liable to cast jaws. And then you're stuck for life. Your life's destroyed. And if by God's mercy the non-believing husband gets saved years down the road, you go through hell until then. Your children do. Young guys, the same thing. The prophecies of Israel can be confirmed by history. The two and a half tribes that settled on the east side were the first to go into captivity by Assyria. Well, I like it over here. You know, I, I, I'm in control. I can handle it. Okay. The northern kingdom went into Babylon. Finally, the southern kingdom also to Babylon. Seventy years. The involvement of idolatry is always associated with sexual sin. Always. The idea of being that you will sacrifice and give yourself sexually to someone because you think they're the greatest. You worship, you adore them, so you do whatever. Our society caters to that. It pushes that. It condones. It gives license to it. It applauds you. The worship of sex outside of marriage degrades both God and the design of the person for God. And it destroys the fabric of marriage and society. Look to our society. How many leaders have fallen prey to sexual sin by not giving heed to the warning signs to back off, to be accountable? This was the admonishment about the future disobedience of the leaders in warning and prophetic. And so, what are we to think? Do we think that we're beyond this? I hope not. Here you have the last words of Joshua to the leaders, reminding them about the faithfulness of God as well as the warning against apostasy. And it's marked by the personal proclamation about God's victories to the leaders. The prompt exhortation to abide in God's blessing is to the leaders. The admonishment about future disobedience to the leaders. That's where it starts, people. 
right here in the pulpit. Nowhere else. It begins here. May God give us godly men and women to lead. Pastor Xavier Reese and important simple truths regarding godly leaders. Now, as always, you can request a copy of today's challenging study titled A Stern and Solemn Warning to Leaders. It's available for just $4 upon request. And by the way, this will also contain everything Pastor Xavier shared with us the last time we were together as well. Now, the title to ask for once again is A Stern and Solemn Warning to Leaders. Or simply mention today's date when you write Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for telling us the call letters of this station when you contact us. The Christian life is often likened to a race, but how do you run to win? Join Pastor Xavier Reese as he brings more insight from the life of Joshua right here next time on Simple Truths. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California www.calvarychapelpasadena.com